Hello and welcome to TGen Talks. I'm Mark Moran. 60 million U.S. households have a pet dog, according to the Insurance Information Institute. Sadly, more than half of pet dogs over the age of 10 will die from cancer. Through the study of genomics, scientists have vastly increased their knowledge of how cancer develops in humans and how best to treat it. But these breakthroughs have lagged for our four-legged friends. Today, we're joined by Dr. Will Hendricks, assistant professor in the Integrated Cancer Genomics Division, TGen, where his lab is working on research that will help man and man's best friend. Dr. Hendricks, welcome. Thanks, Mark. It's really a pleasure to talk to you. Tell us what comparative oncology is. Comparative oncology is the study of cancer both in our pets and in people. We believe that what we learn from the study of cancers that develop naturally in pet dogs can be immediately lifted over to our understanding of how human cancers develop and respond to treatments. Our genetic research, both in human cancers and canine cancers, can be lifted across the species barrier to help both. Why do you think that it's important for both people and pets? There's a huge unmet need and opportunity in the study of naturally occurring cancers in pet dogs, the cancers that develop spontaneously in our canine friends, because our understanding of the biology and genetics of how these cancers develop lags behind that of our understanding in human cancers. Not only that, but the standards of care for treatment of pets with cancer also tends to lag behind that of humans. So there's this huge need to improve understanding of these cancers. And once we learn how they work, we can better guide their treatments. At the same time, the incredible abundance of cancer in pet dogs. There are four to six million cancer diagnoses in pet dogs every year in the United States, wow. for example. That absolute abundance emphasizes the need, but it also underscores the opportunity because we have this population of animals with cancer that we can study to improve treatments for them and also lift that over to humans. Four to six million cases a year? That's right. That's a lot, it would seem. It is indeed. In fact, the incidence is, is higher than human cancer incidence. To be clear, you're not experimenting on dogs. Can you clarify how you work with pet owners and veterinarians to do cancer research for these animals? That's right, Mark. And that's a great and very important point. We are not giving dogs cancer. These are not dogs that live in our laboratories. They're dogs who live with us, with our friends with uh, our veterinary colleagues, their clients. We work just as we do in the human space at TGen. We collaborate with clinicians who see pets and pet parents. We enroll dogs in clinical trials to help dogs themselves. We enroll dogs in studies where we can t biopsy their tumors, extract their DNA, look for broken genes and genetic sequences that can help those dogs themselves. So yes, critically important to underline that we're not experimenting on dogs in the laboratory. These are all naturally occurring cancers in pet dogs. When we hear the words clinical trials, it's fairly common in humans, but maybe we haven't necessarily heard all that much about this in dogs, recruiting dogs for clinical trials. There's a very vibrant and active clinical research community and veterinary oncology as well. 
the absolute number of veterinary oncologists in, in the United States is significantly lower than human oncologists, so more less activity overall in that space, but absolutely an incredible group of docs at academic vet centers and beyond that do run clinical trials in pet dogs. Would you consider um, veterinary oncology a growing field? Absolutely. It's a growing field where, just as in the human oncology space 10 to 15 years ago, precision medicine was just starting to take a foothold in the veterinary oncology space, precision medicine is also starting to really uh, take root and and grow and develop. And we're at the forefront of those efforts with our collaborators. Recently, um, your lab published a paper about a rare form of melanoma in humans that's relatively common in dogs. Why is this study important? Often we look to our canine friends for a scenario like that in melanoma where a, a rare tumor in humans is much more abundant in the dog. In humans, most forms of melanoma, malignant skin cancer, occur in sun-exposed areas of our body. We all know about the warnings against sun damage, against uh, sunburn, and, and the reason that we use sunscreen is to protect from, from that damage that can lead to skin cancer development. But there are also types of skin cancer in humans that arise in other less common sites, like inside your mouth, oral melanoma. Those are sun-shielded parts of your body. They're much less common. So when we look to study the genetic and biologic basis of human oral or sun-shielded melanoma, we have fewer subjects. It's more challenging to get the work done. However, in the dog, this is an area where melanoma in dogs, the most common malignant form is actually oral melanoma. Dogs tend to acquire very few malignant cutaneous or, or melanomas on their 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 uh, skin otherwise, in part because they are protected from the sun through the hair-bearing skin. So here's an example of where there's an abundance of a certain type of cancer in the dog, and what we learn about the genetics of that type of cancer in the dog, we can also lift over to the human, where we have fewer samples to study and less of an opportunity to make a difference. We've all seen the old painting of dogs playing poker and smoking cigars, but your lab also recently made a discovery about dogs with lung cancer. Tell us about that. This is a really exciting study where we experience one of those eureka moments in science that we often hear about or dream about as, as scientists, but this is a case where we actually experienced it firsthand We've been studying lung cancer in pet dogs as a never smoker lung cancer. So we've all seen that painting of the dog smoking cigars, but unlike popular culture would have us believe our, our pet friends actually aren't smoking for the most part. Um, and we look to, uh, but nonetheless, they develop uh, primary lung cancer. So we've been looking to those lung cancers to understand what are the genetics? What's the biology underlying the development of those cancers in dog? And again, this is another case like the melanoma study where we can lift what we learn from the dog study over to the human as well. Remarkably, what we found when we started to biopsy tumors, sequence, extract DNA, sequence that DNA using next generation genomic technology, we found in nearly 50% of dogs with lung cancer, their tumors have share one 
single broken gene and one single site in that gene is always broken. And that genetic mutation, that broken gene, we can target in the human equivalent with a specific drug designed to, to inhibit cancers with that broken gene. So we have a, we have a recurrent, highly recurrent change in the dog cancer, and we have a drug in human cancers that we think will have immediate value for dogs. So we're partnering with our colleagues at the Ohio State University to develop clinical trials in pet dogs with lung cancer with this particular genetic change. Some very interesting and uh, frankly to me at least surprising research going on that we hadn't uh, maybe been aware of. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Will Hendricks, an assistant professor in the Integrated Cancer Genomics Division at TGen. Thanks, Mark. To learn more about TGen's canine cancer program, visit tgen.org slash canine. This is TGen Talks. Thanks for listening. I'm Mark Moran.